0: It's JT, and I'm excited because I've just booked my flights and I'm coming to a city near you. I will be in Poland and Germany in July. Then I'll be in the UK and Scotland in August. Then I'll be making the trip over to the United States and Canada for September. If you would like a Bulletproof for BJJ seminar, contact us. Email jt at bulletproofforbjj.com and book your seminar today.
1: better listen very carefully. A good
2: martial artist does not become tense, but ready.
0: Essentially, at this point, the fight is over.
1: So you pretty much flow with the goal.
0: Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. We're going to do it a bit differently today. Oh, look out. <laughs> the catch-up. A little bit less formal today because people had been asking us to talk like more personal stuff because obviously there's a lot of different stuff going on in the world, um, especially here in Australia. And, uh, you know, depending on where you are in the world and you're listening to this, there might be some crazy stuff going on your end. But also, you know, what we're dealing with personally with jiu-jitsu, injuries, lifting,
2: life stuff, life shit. Yeah. It's the so, Real Talk episode. Oh, man, keep it real. This is where I'm going to tell JT he
0: needs to retire. <laughs> this is where Joey's going to ask me questions about Gordon Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and this is going to be an hour and 20-minute podcast. <laughs> Hate but, cast. cast. <laughs> <laughs> Rant cast. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's one of those things because recently in Australia, last time we had a chat like this, it was reflecting on COVID. Yeah. And different COVID experiences here in Sydney uh, and Melbourne, those experiences. But recently, we have had flooding in Australia. Yeah. Rain like we've not had in hundreds of, like 100 years. We've never had it ever. No, not like this. Ever. It's crazy. Yep. And and so, you know, this isn't going into political territory, but right oh, now. Oh, fucking I mean, yes, it is. Son. Oh, <laughs> hang on. All right. Well, ScoMo's out, in. Yeah. Elbow's in. Not that
2: I'm a huge Elbow <laughs> fan yeah. necessarily, but. Mate. Fucking better than ScoMo right now. Oh, Climate change needs some action. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fucking fuck ScoMo. But, I mean, look, if you guys don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about political leaders in Australia. They're generally pretty useless. Um, the choice between shit sandwich and giant
2: douche. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that South Park episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, who are you going to vote for? Yeah. <laughs> shit sandwich or giant <laughs> douche.
0: But um, it's one of those things because it has affected one of the JB brothers, Jungle Brothers brothers. Yeah, Tiora. Tiora. Yeah. So – I'm just going to paint a light scene and I'm going to get you to speak on this show. Tiora helped found Jungle Brothers, one of the founding fathers, but had moved up north to Ballina. Yeah.
2: Is it Main Arm? Yeah, he's living in Main Arm, but he opened the gym in Ballina. And
0: he's opened the first of, you know, what will be many Jungle Brothers gyms. And it looked beautiful right on the river. Ooh. Oh, like such a a good setup. Yeah. You know, there's many, many great things going on there. And then Australia has record
2: rainfalls that it has never seen. Joe. Yeah. You went there. You know, like you. Yeah, yeah. So I was up there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So that's the north of the state. So for people who maybe aren't so familiar, we're on the east coast of Australia. We're in New South Wales. That's the state. Main Arm and Ballina are right at the top of it. Up near Byron Bay, which is pretty popular. You might have heard of it. It's a beach next to Bondi. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Very close to the Queensland border. It's pretty much Queensland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's really nice. It's kind of subtropical up there. It was his dream for a long time to, to be in a place like that. they got some land there, beautiful property in this valley, super fertile, Ooh, yeah. rainforest, like, yeah, you know, it's wild. Anyways, this fucking flood hit, which was – the first flood was like, I don't know, maybe five or six weeks ago now. Mm. And then about three weeks ago they had a second flood. God. Both of those were absolutely record-breaking. Oh, my God. The first one, though – and I'm speaking out of tone a little bit because I didn't live through it and I haven't been to, say, Lismore where the effects were the worst. Oh, my God. But Lismore is this, ta- this big fucking town. I don't know how many thousands of people are there. It's north of, of where T is. And it's, it essentially f- it's, it filled up like a bowl, the whole bowl. town. Yeah. They had like 14 – for the highest point it was 14.5 metres of water. Oh, my God. So it's like you think of the height of our gym, it's beyond that. Higher than that, like entire, an enti- entire town was essentially submerged. But the wild shit is, is that it happened in like less than twenty four hours. Oh my god. And people like, people report like, it's heavy rains coming in. Like, look look outside. Oh shit! Like water's coming up, and then, like, literally go in. Like, make a phone call. Oh, fuck! What should we do? Go back out. Oh shit! It's on the doorstep now. Going. Oh, fuck! Come in. Oh my god! It's at my ankles. Like it happened really quick. I can't. I can't even imagine what that looks like in terms of like rain falling, because you can't. You can't perceive of like how much, like how heavy does the rain need to be for that for the whole world you're in to fill up that quickly. Jesus. But yeah, so I was like, people are out on fucking jet skis and boats trying to save people. There's, I was driving down a street in Ballina. And they were telling me that um, there was apparently bull sharks spotted swimming down the main street. In the street, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> Come to Australia, yeah. Sharks in the streets. yeah. Fucking sharks, Jesus. Um. So yeah, like really wild stuff. But that that Lismore filled up, and then it basically emptied into the town south of it, right? And and Ballina was one of those. So by the time it hit them, they had uh. It had picked up like petrol stations, yeah. basically just spewed out all of their fuel. Wow! So that was in the water supply, agricultural chemicals, oh god, sewage, like it was gross water. Terrible, yeah. And and that, and and people's homes, and then that flooded into the next town and the next town. So the ship was like stank, and their gym, yeah, their gym got, you know, like just mud. Yeah, it just brought in a layer of mud and gunk on everything, and it was you can see the tide marks is like I don't know probably a meter and a half up the walls. Wow. So, yeah, like, man, unbelievable, right? Adversity. Yeah, and that was the first one. And then so three weeks later. They
0: get hit with another happened one. happened
2: again. And oh, so God. that whole estuary that, you know, that beautiful piece of water that they're on God. just, like, engulfed their gym. The second one wasn't as bad, and the second one wasn't water from, that, from the other towns. Right. So it was cleaner. Right. So T, T was like, man, it's actually clean water, thank it's, God. It's rinsing. <laughs> yeah, it's you rinsing know, like it cleaned a lot of shit.
0: But from what I saw, because I was following his stories on Instagram and just, feeling so gutted for him. The roads are washed away, bridges washed away. <laughs> yeah. the, the little school where his kids go, it had moved the, the school hall yeah. meters down and there was no help. Like Australian government, where the fuck are you? Nowhere. Like I saw footage of like tea with people with diggers and people with helicopters and the locals were rebuilding the roads themselves.
2: Yeah. Apparent- for weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, there's a guy in his in Mainarm, which is a bit of a a bit of a village, you could say. Right, and it is cut off because the the there's a concrete bridge that you have to cross to get into it, and the bridge, a section of it, just got demolished. See you later. Which hard to, it's like a thick concrete bridge. structure How? just got fucking cleaned out, like a whole you know portion of it. Wow. But there's a guy apparently that lives in their village or lives in you know that town who works for the council and has a digger. Yeah, and he just like. Got out in the digger, like in the middle of the storm, and just started like repairing roads. Cause he's like, well, we gotta, gotta do this, gotta get these roads working. Like, wow. So he just started clearing shit. And so, yeah, I mean, a bit of a local hero. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak on the, the, the government response in too much detail, but it really does appear that they were very slow to act. Yeah. And that there, it was really all about local communities banding together in order to save each other and fucking, you know, like getting on their dinghy, going around, picking up people that are, you know, uh, clinging onto their rooftops. Jeez. You know, jumping kind of – it's like there's like grandmas and shit on the back of jet skis. like (laughs) – yeah, like wild stuff, you know. Man. Um, Interestingly, I don't think the death toll was enormous at all. No. Um, But, yeah. But it really wrecked people's lives, didn't it? Just uh, the whole
0: contents of people's houses – turned to garbage. Yeah. Like people just emptying the contents of their house onto the street.
2: Yeah. And then the really horrible piece was that, say that, like in Lismore where you just saw this whole town, everyone just emptied all this shit out onto the streets. The second flood just came and threw it, like smeared a bunch Scattered of that it. shit around again. Oh. But there was, there's also heaps of really heartbreaking stories of like businesses and stuff that after mm-hmm. that first flood were like, we got to get back up and running. So they, you know, started putting in whatever, paying for floors, painting, fucking – hiring equipment to dry the place out there's a hotel a small family run hotel it was like we needed all new washing machines and shit and and dishwashers and stuff so we could run the hotel again so they dropped like 50k on that and 50k on this and then that next flood came through and just flooded it again heartbreaking yeah so it's like futility for a lot of people you know
0: Yeah. yeah and it's so tough i mean don't get me wrong i understand around the world people have different problems but when it's mother nature you know it's so it's so chaotic and so, it can be so big whether it's an earthquake or a a, a fire or whatever it might be yeah it's just it's just so destructive it just reminds you kind of how little yeah. <laughs> and
2: powerless you kind of are as a human that's right yeah you're like oh all of this time like similar to the the Ukraine war right oh. where you're like it that it makes you realize that we are very lucky to have lived through this time of stability. Yeah. And you're like, oh, holy shit, this this whole, you know, this stability that we take for granted could just be rocked at it's any point. It's very fragile. Yeah. Yeah. And so similar thing with that where you're like, man, when nature decides to fucking put a foot down, it's like it could all be over. Yeah, you have no say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and like you were saying, um, Tiora's neighbor, the water just went straight to their house, right?
2: Yeah. Like that,
0: his house was okay, but then.
2: Yeah. And they're like. I don't know, 100 metres away, yep. pretty close. They're just there. The, the land that they're on is more or less the same height mm. but they just happened to be in the way of where one of these huge torrents would carve its path and their house just had a fucking funnel of water going into it and then spilling out all the orifices, Oh, <laughs> you know, Whoa. whereas their place, T's place was dry. Wow. You know, they saw it all happening and, yeah, so really yeah, they were lucky in that situation.
0: Luck as the draw. And I, I I don't know, it's, it's hard, you know, people say, oh, you always got to be positive. But I mean, look, a situation like that, like you, it's a disaster. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got to stay functional, but that's, that's hard.
2: Yeah, it's in this, this trauma. Yeah. Which is very hard for us to kind of grasp, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, we live in our safe city slicker lives down here in Sydney, uh, away from everything. I mean, there has been a lot of rainfall, but it's just. Not, not, not having those effects on us. I guess people, if you're in the States, if you're a business owner, maybe you owned a jiu-jitsu gym, maybe, you know, under COVID and lockdown, you really suffered or maybe there was, you know, riots or there was, you know, there were different things that happened around America at different times. Acai shortage. Acai shortage is terrible. Uh, uh, people in the streets. No, I think it's it's one of those things where it's like people lose their businesses. Yeah. You know, they, leave their, they lose their livelihood. Oh, uh, yeah. And the government's really – for all your taxes and for all the hard work you put in your life,
2: government's not necessarily there for you. Yeah. And, I, I mean, that's right. And I think the story of small business is really like – for a lot of it is like how long can you endure? That's right. And so it often only takes something like that to tip the scales in like it's not fucking worth it. Can't do it anymore. I'm just going to go get a job. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's super disappointing but it's the reality of it. I trained, I trained in Ballin. I went to a jiu-jitsu academy. Okay. Um, it was Okay met some really cool people on the mats though lovely and uh one of the guys was from a gym in lismore and he's like my gym got flooded twice he said so we're like jujitsu refugees and we've been we've been accepted here and we can train for as long as we need to yeah um so he was cool you know and you could see that he was just he was a really lovely guy great role too you know you could see that he was just a bit like gutted kind of bit sort of downtrodden yeah which, yeah, he fucking wouldn't be. I mean, he didn't lose his house or anything. He lives elsewhere. Okay. But yeah, it's like my academy and his work and stuff. It's like, it's all gone. Right. right.
0: That's super tough. No, it's one of those things that's like, I, I like uh, certain Stoic tenets. Like, I, I follow Stoicism. Uh, there are some flaws within the Stoic philosophy, but the idea of only, you know, you only have control over your reasoned choice. And that at the end of the day, you're trying to just be a good person, like, just do the right thing. And the right thing isn't always what's good for you either. But I, whenever I'm, I don't know, I get kind of not cracking the sads, but if I get disappointed or I'm not happy without – Cracking the sads. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Cracking the sads, man. Nah. Yeah. Fuck off, Joe. Yeah. Maybe. No, I'm just tired. I'm hungry, bro. <laughs> Give me your sandwich. Uh, I thought you didn't eat bread, bro. I do now. Um, no, nah, it's one of those things. It's hard because when you're in that emotion, you're in that moment, you're sad whether you've lost a loved one or you've lost a business or you you're in grieving, just going, Well, someone else has got it worse than you, and I don't fucking fix anything. Like you still have that sense of loss. Yeah. But the challenge is like how do we stay functional? Like, how can we accept or how can we still be able to live life? M- uh, not move on, as in just ah, oh, it's okay, it's a write off. It's just more. How do we stay moving? We don't get stuck in the moment. That's a hard thing. In in the same way, you know, uh, if you have a really bad day at jujitsu and you literally want to quit, you're just like, fuck this. This is this makes me miserable. I almost got my arm broken. You know that happened. Coach doesn't give a shit about me. You know, like I'm I'm you know I'm here. I'm putting in all this effort. You know my. You know, my partner wants to divorce me because all I do is jiu-jitsu and now jiu-jitsu doesn't love me. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you do have days where you're like, man, I just want to quit. And that's hard, that's, that's, that's hard to deal with. But thinking about this natural disaster thing, uh, it's just made me think how lucky we are to not be in the midst of that. Often when terrible things happen, it doesn't happen to someone you know. But Tiora is a good friend of ours and yeah. just watching him go through that process is like pretty intense.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I mean, I think that the um the the likelihood of that happening to us, so it's it's a lot more of a reality now. Yes. Like with stuff like that, where you're like, you know what, that storm that that dumped on them could have hit Sydney. It, we did cop a bit of it, but it happened to move out to sea well, I mean, for the only most part.
0: pre COVID it was freaking bushfires well that's right bro australia was burning the worst it's ever burnt and this is what i'd say this is how bad australia was burning even american celebrities were trying to send us money (laughs) (laughs) even the dds was trying to send us money the dds yeah they'd started a thing holy shit craig had started a thing with gordon ryan and those guys (laughs) that they would give a percentage of the money to bushfire relief in australia oh wow that's how bad it was at the start of 2020 end of 2019 it's pretty serious bro like I think you know obviously covid was a much bigger thing but at that time Australia had some of the worst fires it had ever had. Yeah. And now here we are 2 years later we're having the worst floods we've ever had. Yeah. As a country that has extremes if we can say that in our very short history or a young country but like well I'm I'm saying the colonization of Australia yeah. is is young. So yeah. full respect to the original people of this land. Um, the indigenous people but what I'm saying is if we can see such yeah, in extremes, our modern history in that short period of time come on people you know yeah we know that global temperature is changing like climate change I mean if you're a climate change disbeliever come at me whatever but mate it's real to us right here right now and it's not going away
2: yeah that's right I watched a, an interesting doco on I think it was on Four Corners ABC sure. which is like a a pretty, you know, a channel, ABC, Australia Broadcast Corporation uh, they're here in te- Australia. Their,
0: in- their integrity is good. They like to yep.
2: go, go after big corporates. Yeah. They're, they're pretty left-leaning, uh, they but, they're, but their stuff is – they're the best quality journalism you'll, you'll find here. And it was actually a BBC thing that they were kind of resharing, but it was a thing on climate change. And it was just showing all these different parts of the world that in the last couple of years have had these – one-off events and one of them was a town in canada somewhere in british columbia that just started to get really hot and it just kept on getting hot uh, and by like day by day it was just getting hotter Again, it got to like 53 degrees this is, this is in northern hemisphere this is in canada what? and then wildfires started and then basically this whole town which was like a beautiful like town like typical imagine a typical canadian town Backed by, like, mountains, streams. Was
0: it, was it a town full of sinners, Joe? Was this going, <laughs> Well, it obviously this was. God's wrath? Yeah, that's right.
2: The whole place just burnt to the ground. Oh. Like, it literally combusted. Whoa. And it was, it was trapped in what they called a heat dome. And it was just what like the weather patterns meant that what? the heat that was there couldn't leave and it just continued to expand.
0: That sounds like a horror movie. Yeah, it's be?
2: absolutely like that. Is and, that a Michael Bay movie? <laughs> and so that, like, that happened and then you got, like um, – Parts of Bangladesh that have just been wiped out like sure. these, you know, by, by huge uh, rising oceans. And then you've got Germany. And if you remember in Germany, like last year, yeah. they had these record floods that just wiped out villages. Chicago froze <laughs> only. But ch- don't they freeze all the time? No, no, no. But the worst shout out to the Chicagans. Yo,
0: they're <laughs> tough. They, they can yeah. cop it. Yo, the bears. Get up, the bears. Um, no, because we went to Chicago in 2019, they had had the worst winter on record like ever recorded holy shit it looked like there were photos from it that looked like scenes from game of thrones oh wow from like the the white, white fucking, walkers yeah you expected to see a but ice dragon like <laughs> because it was just, everything's crackling and crunching as it walks yeah it, it was unbelievable it's just like it, it, it's never
2: been that bad dude so people are- that shit's hap- like the shit's happening right and it's like what what's fascinating is that the global temperature increases like i think it's like 1.4 degrees at the moment right and they've said that if it gets to this is what a lot of the top scientists say if it gets to two that we're fucked wow and what i've always you know from a from someone who doesn't really understand the science particular it's like oh what if if things get a couple degrees hotter like colder like we'll be all right just fucking whatever like move to a part more south in the country where it's a bit cooler and but what what i find what i've started to understand and what I, f- I think is not very well explained in a lot of the media about it is how this, these, these seemingly small changes in global temperatures affect these delicate systems. Mm. And it's the, it's the effect of that that makes these storms or these earthquakes Huge or these knock-ons. fucking fires like on a scale that we've never seen before. And you're like, okay, I get it. So it's not about oh, the place just gets a little bit hotter or a little bit colder in the winter. It's like, no you will be wiped out by a fucking flood Extremely or by a, fl- by a storm or by a fire. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's quite scary. It's confronting. It's an existential threat. It is. Yeah. And I
0: guess that's the thing. That's <clears throat> if We shift gears a little bit. Not that we – you know, we am not trying to keep it negative, but, like, my partner, Ola, shout out to Ola, Ola my loved one, and shout out Pol- f- – Fiance. Fiance, fiance. Shout out Poland – holy shit, Ukraine, we're meant to be going there, dude. Wow. Yeah, we're meant to be going to Poland in July. And I said to her, hey, could we maybe go to the UK? And <laughs> just because I don't know I don't know if Putin's going to just, I don't know, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. But that's, it created a lot of sadness in me because I, not that I, you know, I'm not uh, naive enough to think that global stability lasts forever, but I'm like, oh, no, is this the thing
2: that disrupts this
0: more or less you know
2: semi-utopian kind of
0: yeah i mean obviously west that we're in i'm obviously in a you know we're coming from a first world you know white aussie perspective but if we think about how europe functions or doesn't function the u.s you know rise of china the uk but Brexit, it, it, all these different things that occur and now putin's shooting his shot he's like right i'm a, i'm gonna do it big like let's go yeah let's take it all on Ukraine is – Ukraine and Poland used to be the same kind of nation. Right. Poland's only about 100-ish years old in terms of it being its own individual nation. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, it's – It was
2: all uh, – so it was all USSR? Uh, was I, it previously? I don't, I don't know exactly other
0: than speaking with my partner and her just saying like, yeah, they're our sisters. Like Ukrainians and Polish are we're kind of one and the same in a yep. lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, But the difficult thing is to think that, like, her niece and nephew are there, her sister's there, her brother and family have moved back there from the States and kind of to and fro and just that, you know, potentially what this means for all of Europe, (laughs) you know, all the people everywhere, what it means for everyone in the world, you know. It's, uh, It's a confronting thing. And I understand there's people in conflict in different places. This is not a political chat. This is just me... In my lifetime, having had a very, like, you know, obviously the Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts, Australia was involved in, US, you know, they do what they do with their political things. I'm
2: not – We didn't really know anything. Like no, it didn't affect us in any way or – No, but
0: then looking at this and thinking I'm going to be in Europe in two or three months and there's a potential war, Eurocentric war. It's just over there. It's going to – yeah, it's next door yeah and it was just it was just confronting and, yeah. it, and it was kind of it was a little bit sad i was like not even a little bit sad it's so tragic i can't even really get my head around it and it's almost like i don't want to acknowledge how terrible it is yeah because i can't do anything about it it's you know you feel like same thing with the flood you feel a bit powerless yeah I'm like, fuck. i'm gonna learn how to use a gun <laughs> yeah. I, I said One to thing, ola, yeah i said ola you want to we should go to the shooting range she's like yeah Let's do it. <laughs> man, if they involve Poland, I tell you what, like you think Ukrainians are staunch, like the Polish want to fight everyone. Just <laughs> if you're not Polish, we're going to fight you. <laughs> so, man, it's, it's intense. So that's – I guess that's something that I've been thinking about more is that how – yeah, we're talking about the stability in our lives and, you know, we, we, we put battles and challenges in our lives to keep our lives interesting, but there's people in the world who are literally fighting – just fighting to just keep just try to keep a normal life.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, that that's exactly right. And I think it's funny when you start to talk about it because to your point earlier about the the relative nature or the relativism of struggles in your own life. So, you know, for us, like we said, middle class white Australian boys, you'd like, oh, there's a war in Ukraine and I'm thinking about going over there, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't even be talking about this because It's people that live in Ukraine. No, of course. No, no, no. But that's the thing is that like the reality of all this stuff is that you only know your experience and that's all you have. Yeah. And you know this shit goes on, but you can't really feel – it's like we think of tea and like, man, what's it like up there? Fucking gym just flooded. You're like – all you can do is try to put yourself in their shoes, but you can't. Yes. Um, That doesn't remove the – the fact that that has a, an effect on your life. Yeah. Like, you know, like your feelings around that are still valid. Yeah. Even though you didn't have to let flee your town and live no. through that. It's like, yeah, it's fucking, it's alarming. No. And, it's, and it's deeply saddening. Bro, I'd probably get blown up.
0: I'm not going anywhere. Like, <laughs> if I was Ukrainian, I'd be like those guys. I'd be like, what have we got? Give me a bat. We've got a steel baseball bat. I'm in. Let's go. Like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm not well, – I don't think they're letting any guys leave. <laughs> no, no, I know Are that. But, yeah. but what I'm saying is it's, what's interesting to me, and we were talking about this, about all the fighters, like different – Klitschko. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, guys – And is there was another one? Like, uh, the guy who just won European Strongest Man, uh, he just beat out Thomas uh, Stolten. He's a massive unit. He's going to the front lines. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's his name? The, the boxer uh, who just beat Anthony Joshua – He's Ukrainian, I believe. Uh, yeah, okay. And so there is a problem with him. Is Lomachenko Ukrainian? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's gone back too. Yeah, he's gone like, back.
2: Yeah, the Klitschko brothers are there. Yeah, I mean, they're fucking. He's the mayor of <laughs> the of Kiev, isn't he? I think uh, he's the mayor of the main city. I am not sure. Yeah, I am pretty sure he is. Like, which uh, Vitali? Is it Vitali Klitschko? Like the the more successful of the two? Yeah, inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's been <laughs> fucking since the beginning. You know, like yeah. they they're like, yeah, we're taking up arms and shit.
0: Yeah, they're not, they're not backing down. But yeah. it's, it's one of those things. I look at these problems in the world and obviously it just, you know, all any issues I have pale in comparison. But a problem's a problem. You've got to pay your bills. You've got to do jiu-jitsu. You've got to deal with everything in your life. So it's not that they're not problems. First world problem is still a problem. Yeah. But now thinking about being amongst it and like what happens if I'm in Poland and Russia goes, you know what, fuck you, NATO. Fuck you, Europe. We're doing this. Send a few missiles. We're going down. Him. Let's do this thing. What then? Because there's actually a guy I follow, Will Beating Cancer. He's really interesting oh, yeah, guy. he got me onto him.
2: Yeah. He's he just came back, didn't he?
0: Yeah, he just came back to get his brain scan. The guy's diagnosed with terminal cancer. He decided I'm going to live the rest of my life uh, wildly. <laughs> so he, he, he heard the stuff going on in the Ukraine. He got over there. He's an ex-vet. He used to be in the Australian Army and he's over there documenting it. So he's there with his phone on Instagram, like, don't worry about the media, you want to find out what's going on, just check out someone's live feed. Yep. And, yeah, he's filming like, you know, bloody missiles going through the sky and he's running through the streets with, you know, NATO soldiers and stuff just trying to give people an insight as to what is actually going on in there, wow. not just what the media shows. And, yeah, man, it's crazy. So I, 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 I consider all these things. I think about stuff too much in general. But it's, it's the thing that weighs heaviest on me is if I think about future generations, just not our own lives. Like, you know, you've got a young son. What's the world look like in, you know, 30 years? That yeah. kind of thing.
2: Yeah. yeah it's, it's, and it's super relevant, isn't it? We've never had like, yeah, multiple fronts there. Like, okay, whether it was a, a conflict between countries or if it was like the climate destroying things, yeah. you're like, Ugh, it's not going to be the same outlook as, as what it was when we were born, where it's like eh, everything's going to be pretty peaceful for the next 40 years. Yeah, But, you know, it's very relevant for you, like having a partner who is, you know, Polish. Her, f- her family's, family's there. there. Like she, her, didn't you say her sister had had refugees and stuff come yeah. and stay with so her? Her sister Agnieszka had
0: had, I think, 13 uh, or 15 Ukrainian people come through, kids, men, women, on a bus, and stay overnight on their way to belgium wow and so they literally slept on the floor slept on the couch like they made little gift packs for them and like they don't have a huge apartment they have one spare room yeah and it's It's like her her niece and nephew like a goddaughter godson uh, her sister and um her brother-in-law is actually away he's a ship captain so he's actually on a boat middle of nowhere and then just have the house full of refugees wow but yeah it's it's amazing as like that's so like that's That's doing your bit to help people. Yeah. Just complete strangers, nut, you can come stay with us. But then also like, you know, really cool to see people go, oh, how can we help these people? So like the Airbnb thing, um, I think it was Brian Chesky was like, yeah, you know what? If you want to support Ukrainians, just um go rent a house for a couple of days in the Ukraine that you'll never use. Yeah. And that money goes straight to them and we take no fees. That's cool. And we did that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it can be hard sometimes with different charities and stuff like that. You're like how much money is going to the people who need it? You know, there, there is an element of that. Not that I think there should be any hesitancy with helping people, but sometimes when it comes to different charities, there's a lot of administration and money doesn't – you don't know if you, how effective your contribution is sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And so what, what has been cool is to see how many people have gotten behind Ukraine. Just go, yeah, we'll do whatever we can. We'll just yeah. make that happen. Switching gears a little bit. Uh, you were recently reading, let's talk some books. Let's talk books. You were recently reading a bit of stuff on breath.
2: Yeah, I got two books on the go at the moment. <clears throat> All In, as you would know, yeah. by John Marsh. John Marsh, our mate. Great book. Which is great co- marketing and, and essentially like sort of becoming a bit of a master of content mm-hmm. creation and running your business. And the second book is The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McCune. Cool. Which is really good. It's. It, for me, it's been uh, – I'm, I'm kind of almost finished it. But when I read uh, Why We Sleep, which is a great book on sleep by yes. Matthew Walker, yeah. that really kind of catalyzed a lot of changes in my mind about how I sleep. Mm. And the oxygen advantage is doing very much the same thing for my breathing. Yeah, So I'm like, fuck, i got to give some more attention to this. It's really great it's got some programs in there you can follow really simple stuff so yeah i'm digging like kind of being on that for a little while that's cool it's funny from what you were saying before mm. about mouth
0: breathing i'm like i've been a mouth breather like such a long
2: time Bro.
0: as an asthmatic young kid like I ah. had, yeah i had bronchitis from a very young age I had to have a bunch of steroids and stuff like to just get my lungs to work so i i could actually breathe so you didn't die so, yeah pretty much from like one to three or four years old like i was just constantly out of breath and just this chubby little kid and then yeah having inhalers like i really didn't get on top of the asthma piece till like kind of 11 12 years old so i just avoided exercise how did you get over asthma it was a mixture of getting fitter also living in the mountains like getting out of the city parents just threw away everything i owned in terms of any dust and pollution and everything like that that made things a lot easier yeah um but then also like Partly diet, a diet changed up a bit. Um, yeah, I think it was just gradually overcoming, like getting gradually improving my endurance, and also you, you were talking about that tolerance for carbon dioxide. Uh, yeah, I used to kind of almost had panic attacks on not being able to breathe from. Yeah, and then and just over time, overcame that. But when you were saying that potentially mouth breathing precipitates mouth breathing because it changes the structure of your face. Yeah, I um, man, I was always out of breath as a kid. I was always <laughs> like just struggling with that.
2: So here's the, here's the physiology piece on, on how that works. The roof of your mouth, I think, is kind of a bit of a – when you're born, it sort of just kind of goes up to a bit of a peak. Yep. And the, the roof of your mouth is the base of your sinus. So mm-hmm. above that sits your sinus cavity. Yep. Now the natural tongue posture that we're supposed to have is lips closed, tongue pressed into the roof of the mouth, and then the tip of your tongue just resting gently on the back of your front teeth. Okay. So, you know, everyone that's listening is like trying that right now. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yep, I can feel that. And what that does is creates a bit of a vacuum that keeps the mouth closed by, by pushing the tongue up in there, creates a bit of a vacuum that keeps the, the lips closed, but also applies a gentle pressure to the roof of the mouth, which over time will change the shape of the, roof of, of the roof of the mouth to mold to the tongue. Okay. And so it becomes more of a sort of concave Earth, yeah. surface. And what that does is that gives way to the development of the jaw. Right. And it makes sure that the jaw develops full and wide. Right. Right. Now, as we know, for most of us, or if, if not you personally, but maybe your friends, a lot of us have to get our wisdom teeth removed. Yes. And that is due in part to the narrowing of the jaw, mm. which creates a lack of space, which means we now got too much teeth. Right. Right? So if you've got a nice wide jaw, theoretically all the teeth fit, you don't need to get anything removed. But these days, there is, this is also due and this is other stuff that I've read, not in the, in the Patrick McCune book, but uh, with a lot of the soft foods that we eat now, a lot of processed right. foods, cooked foods and you whatnot. Don't chew so much. Exactly. So we just don't build that strength and that mass in the jaw. So what happens is, is your jaw underdevelops, right. right? And this is why a lot of us have an overbite, yeah. right? So our, our bottom teeth go behind our front teeth. Right. So he said, try to and do this, have a go at this. Push your jaw as far forward as you can and breathe through your nose. Now pull your jaw as far back as you can and breathe through your nose.
0: Bit harder. Restricted, right? <laughs> it is harder.
2: So, the, so when the jaw is forward, it creates a lot of space behind it, sinus cavity and down uh, okay. the esophagus right. to breathe. All right. Whereas when it's back, it blocks that. Right. So that then means, well, it's awkward and, and most of us have underdeveloped jaws. Sure. So then, except for uh, Canaan. And so (laughs) unless
1: you're on
0: that growth
2: hormone. (laughs) What then happens is you go, Well, I'm not getting enough air in there, so I'm gonna open my mouth. Right. So you open your mouth, but if we try to push the tongue into the roof of the mouth as it should be, and open the mouth and breathe through it's not possible. (laughs) Yeah, you can't, right? So then you So then you let your tongue drop down and you breathe. With what's called a low tongue posture. <laughs> low tongue posture. Low tongue posture. Right. So your tongue, and, and that's A dog. I, I mean, uh, Instagram, Meals by Kuj. Oh. This guy that I love, this New Jersey guy, the New York guy that goes and just eats sandwiches. and Oh, tongue is tongue. this
0: guy's like, oh, this is better than your sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I give this 11 out of 5. Yeah. Yeah.
2: 15 out of 10 miles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. But you look at his, he's got this tiny little chin and little jaw. Yeah. Like it's really fucking really underdeveloped. Sometimes he takes a bite of a sandwich and, and you see all the comments are like, oh, my God, the fucking underbite on this guy. Or like the, <laughs> yeah. the bite on this dude is wild. Yeah. So, yeah, so what then happens is we, we, we can end up with that and it just means that we just get into this cycle of breathing habitually through the mouth. Wow. There you and go. then that only reinforces the narrowing of the face. Right. And so uh, he talks about like people who have this – Tend to have a long, narrow face yeah. with a nose that sits forward. Wow. Versus people who are good nose breathers, because there's an underdevelopment of the sinus cavity, which is behind the cheeks. Uh. Whereas when that apparatus through the sinus is well developed, it sits more forward. Interesting. And you, you know, it almost like in a way, like it's a very Western look to have this narrow, long face. Yeah. Right. And I, I would say that we're probably, you know. Western this, Caucasians, we probably suffer most from this, because we are because floor. we are the most modernized. We've had the softest foods for the ah, longest, right. we've had yeah. the, the softest lives for the longest. Yeah. Whereas you know, you go, you go back to more um, you see this anytime, you, you go to a place more of a developing country, yes. and you will see like the people look stronger and more robust the feet like the feet are stronger the toes are better spread yeah i'm sure they breathe a bit better yeah because they haven't had the luxuries of modern life to fuck them up right. as much as we have yeah that reminds
0: me there was a study that uh, charles poliquin used to reference about the strongest women in the world and this was i mean he was probably angling for his supplements but he was talking about grip strength and the women like untrained women but mind you they're probably doing farm work and mechanical work and bloody carrying all kinds of business, the strongest women in the world were in Cuba. Yeah, and they had the highest levels of vitamin D. Mm. So his, his whole thing was like, we did these tests, these women on spec across the board averaged the highest grip strength of any women in the world. Wow. In Cuba. And they also had incredibly high vitamin D levels, Great senses of vitality, even though they might have had health problems, their sense of well-being was very high. Right? Yeah, and it was just saying working like, physically,
2: working getting physically. Plenty of sun.
0: Yeah, just it, it was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, how, how interesting that is, because really, if you don't have grip, you can't pick up heavy things.
2: Yeah, you know, even though you know, obviously, well, grip is like a universal indicator of full-body strength, strength, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. And and they're saying now it's a sign of longevity. Yeah. You know, if if you have decent grip, like you know, like someone was a farmer or they they're a tradesman or they bloody midwife or whatever it might have been in their lifetime, when they're sixty or seventy, if they've still got a strong grip, that's a really good sign. Yeah. When people are getting shaky in the hands and arthritic hands and can't grip jiu-jitsu slash spider guard players out there (laughs) (laughs) you're already getting those arthritic feels at age of 30 (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) but essentially there's these different things that factor into our health that we don't really pay mind to because no one's talking about it no one's like oh you can't get up off the ground easily you'll die 10 years younger yeah, you know, like yeah, oh, these correlations. Yeah, your, oh, your fingers are all busted up and you can barely close your hand. Yeah, that probably means you're not going to be able to feed yourself. Yeah, like there's all these different things. That, it sounds bleak, guys. Like, welcome to bulletproof for being bleak. Yeah. Um, but I guess when we're looking at our health, which is something that we consider a fair bit outside of when we're dealing with jujitsu, there is definite carryover between certain physical abilities, certain things you do with your life, which will mean you either have a kind of healthier more capable life. Robust. Robust. You know, it doesn't mean that you guys Practical, can be happy all usable. the time. But you can do stuff.
2: You know, no one wants to feel – Look, if the fucking okay. flood hits here or the war hits here, <laughs> yeah, I'm not calling my fucking mates who don't train and, no, and no, no, no. sit on a computer all day and no. pump stocks. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm calling my friends who are laborers, yep. chippies, fucking bricklayers, yep. you know – you know some personal trainers you know <laughs> probably people. my no no-gi friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the reality of it is yeah. like when shit goes down you need people that are strong who can do durable things. can can take a bit of damage reliable and can lift some heavy shit yeah you know men and women and it just i think being usable and i think that any jiu person can identify with that yeah because that's kind of what we're facing in when you're on the mats i could go on through this You know, you're getting bashed and and beaten up a little bit and you're dealing with this pressure and discomfort and it's making you stronger. When shit hits the fan, that's who you want on your side, isn't it? Exactly. Fortitude. I'm not calling my, you know, female um, Pilates friends from the eastern suburbs. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I know you're moving those circles, Joe. but but put down the mats, (laughs) come and help me move this concrete bridge.
0: (laughs) 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 No, but I'm not going to call our accountant either. You know what I mean? Like, I love him. He's a great guy. But I don't, you know, I'm, I'm more likely, you know, I'm, Wait, I'm You don't want to do your tax while that shit's going down? <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you could spreadsheet me a bridge.
2: Uh, no, I'm not doing... Like, I, I mean, even, uh, you know, I... I yeah, even, but, but, I mean, just on that, does he not train? Are you not, talking... No, for
0: me, it's not. Okay. You know, I, I love him. He saved my life. Like, I, I owe that guy a lot. But that's in a very first world modern context yeah i want to call al chan
1: i want to call a (laughs) man bring bring your guns bring bring your guns bring the
0: guns bring forward bring (laughs) a beef carcass yeah we need to eat yeah (laughs) you know i'm gonna call a man who can move and butcher a body
2: yeah you know like practical bro what are you reading at the moment
0: mate uh i'm reading start with no which is about negotiation which really interesting i think it's a guy dave camp could be camp c-a-m-p i think uh, or steve camp uh, it's, it's pretty interesting it makes you realize just how you stuff up your position you you can either strengthen or weaken your position in any discussion or negotiation very quickly right but you just need to understand the other person and you also need to understand what what you're trying to achieve and what they're trying to achieve right. and win-win is not the best outcome that's ridiculous how come well, he's he's saying out there that you will actually ask for less in the name of advocating for them. And that's not how negotiation works. Negotiation is about getting what you want, right? That's like – because he he's a professional negotiator. He negotiates on behalf of other companies. Like, for example, he gives an example of a company that's going bankrupt because to get this job they'd underquoted. But what that meant was they hit a critical point like a year into it that they're losing $100,000 every single month. And he had to go back in and renegotiate their contract and say, hey, we apologize, we've made the mistake, we've done all these things, but ultimately if you still want this product, it's going to cost you $100,000 more. And th- th- it, w- it was talking about how you can make that okay for someone and now that that, that uh, particular company is paying more, they actually buy more of their product. Right. It's kind of interesting. It's just value, money. He's talking about it in terms of like hostage scenarios, all kinds of things. You can't be like, look, if you can kill two, but we want ten. Yeah, you know, you can't. You can't. You know, that's not negotiation. It's all about breaking down certain psychological barriers to get that person to be able to agree with you. Right. It's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like you and me, Joe. I'll typically go, you know, that thing you were telling me about, Joe. I think you're right, and then you go, ah, oh, imagine that. And I'm like, excellent, the barriers are coming down. And I was like, show me that cute picture of your son. Oh, let me show you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I was like, so. And now I bring up what I want yeah. to yeah. I'm like, I've got him now.
2: Um, I want to get a burger for breakfast. Oh, okay, James. You can have a burger for breakfast. Yes.
0: Yes. Baby Chino's all round. No, I, uh, I'm i also reading Predictably Irrational by uh, Dan Ariely, And it's – Behavioural economics, if you don't know what that is, it's a pretty new field. It's just saying that humans, we make really irrational decisions. It's all emotion. It's all really sideways, even very level-headed investors. But then we just backtrack and retroactively justify with logic. Right. So when we're outside of the moment, then we go, oh, no, I did it for this reason and this is why I did that and blah, blah, blah. And we rationalise it away. But in truth, that's not how we are. Right. And there's all these different experiments that they've done with really well-educated people, with stock market analysts and and with students and all kinds of things to really show. And it's crazy to me because I – not that I feel I'm particularly rational but it's like, damn, humans are so crazy. We make bad decisions all the time but then we explain it away. And the reason why I started getting into this is because it's about behaviour change – That's the thing I care about, you know. I I like to see people uh, improve and get better and I I, I solidly believe in that. But what he's saying is you won't uh, get people to change based on logic. Like that's not how people make decisions. Right. You have to appeal to their emotion. You have to appeal to their passion or their self-interest or whatever it is. People can change. It's not saying people can't change. But you've got to know how to approach it. And, and it's not through logic. People, people are not
2: logical. And it's so, there's all these different experiments. Um, anyway. So these two books, one on negotiation, the other one on behavioral economics. Yes. Sounds to me like you're gearing up for some kind of mass manipulation campaign.
1: <laughs> well, Joe, well, funny Sounds you like mentioned. you're
2: weaponizing, <laughs> building a war chest.
1: <laughs>
0: of information. Yeah. Well, look, I, I look at it this way. I have been a personal trainer for 21 years. It's a long time, and you receive any kind of plaque for that? Or no, no one cares. By this, time, I should have been more successful by now. <laughs> I should, I should be James Smith PT by now. <laughs> you know, I should be making memes. <laughs> my whole job should just be memes now. You know, making fun of my industry. I think it's one of those things that I, I – uh, a quote I'd heard recently was, "I'm not attached to the process. I'm, I'm all about best outcome." And that's what, this, that's what someone very intelligent had said. He's like, oh, I don't get caught up in how we make it happen. You know, all egos aside, if your way achieves the best outcome, then I'll support your way. So it's just a matter of being able to recognize what is going to get us there quicker or easier or whatever it might be. And really for me, I just want to see, like, if you're listening to this right now, I want good things for you. I want you to be strong. I want you to be flexible. I want you to do BJJ. I want you to be a tough, resilient human. I'm just trying to work out how we get you there. Like everybody's different. You know, you know, the way you would convince me to do something is very different to how you would convince my partner, Ola, to do something. Right. But we're both very capable pers- people, but we're both very stubborn people. Yeah. So if we're trying to have a negotiation between <laughs> us,
2: that can be a war of
0: attrition right yeah, there. This is what
2: I want. She's like, and this is what I want and these wants are completely different. Like, <laughs> so this is what I want. <laughs> and this is what I want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, you know, it's I don't think it's ever really a uh, a standoff it's just <clears throat> thinking if i want
2: it's like endurance hunting it's the first one to get tired it's sort of <laughs> I, I gotta fucking go to sleep i need yeah. to be up my, okay okay you win. Can, yeah that's a verbal <laughs> tap yeah <laughs> uh and
0: at at any time i think um i find I, I found recently i haven't been reading for fun i've just been reading because i want information because i i've been feeling very focused on things but um Switching gears again, um, jiu-jitsu. How are you feeling about jiu-jitsu lately, man? How's it, how's it, you're a black belt now. What's the vibe?
2: I, uh, I haven't trained – so we trained yesterday. We did. And the last time I trained prior to that was – I trained uh, like a week ago when, mm. I was in, when I was up in Ballina. I dropped yep. in at a gym there. Prior to that I hadn't trained for a few weeks. Okay. And I, I hit a bit of a – I've always had an issue training evenings. Right. And it's always sort of been a bit of a thing for me because I've been coaching and I've been up early. Sure. And I've done it for 14, 13 years. Long time. You know, train late at night, have a shit sleep, wake up super early, tired, push through and just gotten used to it. And then with my son, he's, you know, now 15 months old. Who's counting? Um,
0: (laughs) 15 months, uh, three days, five (laughs) hours. I uh,
2: wonder what he's doing right now. Um, <laughs> Toddling around, dragging something. Yeah, yeah, fucking something up. <laughs> having had him and, and just, you know, sleep, having had that extra layer of like, like nowhere near as much as my partner but my sleep has been somewhat affected, of course, by, you know, his arrival. Um, I, I, and, and getting my black belt, I, I sort of got to a point where I'm like I now give myself permission to not fucking train at night. Sure. I was like – uh, I'm going in tonight, by the yeah, way, because yeah, yeah. there's a grading. So, yeah, yeah. you know, Alliance is my team. Jungle Brothers is my team. When there's shit going on, I'm there. You know, like I'm, sure. I want to still be a part of all Support. that. But I'm just like, you know, I'm no longer – I'm going to remove that pressure that I've always placed on myself to show up at night. Yeah. And uh, it was very liberating to do that. Cool. However, it also left me without any training. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. shit, when do I train? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's never been in my schedule. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not the kind of guy to do a 6am. It's not my no. vibe. I don't no. want to go to war at that time of the day. No. So we'll tell and this is, this will come as a bit of a surprise to many of our listeners, but you and I, JT, we don't actually train together much. No, we don't. We're it's, very it's, much ships in the night with that.
0: Yeah. Or like if, cause our schedules are quite different. Yeah. I, I might be a Monday, Wednesdays guy. You might do a tuesday thursday yeah or vice versa yeah
2: depending on what's going on you try not to train as much in the evenings
0: yeah i don't yeah i think i've been spoiled having been able to access high level training prior to lunch yeah like that's what we did at absolute and that was when my jiu-jitsu was best hard session 10 o'clock till eleven thirty. wind it down have some lunch have a nap and then go back to the gym in the afternoon train people whatever it might be best but it's done yeah. So like, at, at night I can take it easy. I'm not I'm not upregulated, you know? It's, yeah. it's easy. So that's why I've I have encouraged you and that's why we've made that move is start doing a, so we can train together more too. Yeah. On a day where we can all get together uh, is train here at Jungle Brothers just with the with the get black belts and brown belts together and smash it up earlier in the day.
2: Yeah. We did our first session yesterday and it was mad. I was like this is great. This is this is how I want to engage with jiu-jitsu now. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously like I still try and get over to Alliance at least once a week, Yep, Saturdays and stuff when I can and, and that kind of thing because there is also that other side of it which is like I, I do feel like, say, uh, being a black belt, Adam's black belt, I feel some kind of responsibility sure. to be a part of that and, and, I'm, ha- and I'm, I'm really excited by that. You know, I'm like, yeah. that's cool. But, yeah, I'm, I'm like, man, training yesterday, mid-morning, man nah, yeah. did some mobility afterwards yeah that's that's great it's good energy yeah it's good energy and i
0: find more, more people who typically train morning class feel that they get their training done in the morning their energy's higher yeah they're stimulated and they've got the rest of the day for it to kind of calm down and then they get home at night they're not thinking about it that's right you know and so it's, it's easier for them to work in that way not everybody's on that no it's cool it's cool i you know i i think it's good for us to train together so if you disrespect me too much in meetings i'll take it out on you when
2: we roll yeah hey fuck i mean you can always try right yeah and you know it is what it is
0: obviously you know i've been on my black belt it's going to be four four and a half years could be five years i mean when i get that first stripe and the seniority is obvious look it's okay you don't have to call me (laughs) sensei but if you just refer to me as your better that's yeah that's fine i <laughs> uh, you know i'll i will appreciate it uh, i won't acknowledge it formally but i'll appreciate it but uh no i think the thing i changed man i i i was real keen on judo and then i almost broke three of my fingers and then i was like not keen on judo it was bad bro uh i couldn't grip properly for two weeks i didn't do any deadlifts or pull-ups for two weeks wow it was savage like i just i haven't you know we did the 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 small digit injury yep. thing yep. and uh, like it's it's okay now like i can grip so good like i did some deadlifts the other week felt pretty good what but happened it was shot. like i just my fingers like i had my strongest grip and the dude broke my grip and my fingers got caught in the lapel and he tried to throw me like counter throw me mm. and my fingers were still in the gi so my index finger my middle finger my ring ring finger all spun at the second joint Ugh. 45 degrees like that in the gi. Ugh. So I was like, I fighting, trying to not get thrown and like snap my fingers back into place. And I, yeah, I couldn't close my hand. It was very confronting. Did you get thrown? Not at that time. Right. I, yes, I got thrown multiple, multiple, multiple times. Yeah, He's <laughs> a big heavyweight brown belt he's a beast. Uh, but then when we did the groundwork, I tapped the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you can throw me, but you we, you know, we're in my territory now. I'm going to kneel on your throat. Um, but no, it was just – it just sucks because I, I guess we, we probably both do this. We take our physical capacity for granted and if you're listening right now, you might have had that where you, you hit a good run of training, body's feeling good, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do a competition, I'm going to this, I'm going to that. And then whatever, you roll your ankle or you, you pop your knee or you strain your groin, you get a hernia and then you're like, oh, now I can't even do the basic things I love. Yeah. And the truth is – this is hard, this is hard to admit, oh, confession time. If I had to choose between lifting weights and doing jiu-jitsu, I, if I could only do one, I would lift weights. Because, and, you know, we're saying this about, you know, breathing too much, jiu-jitsu ages your body. And if we think about long-term, I look at my parents, I look at people, longevity, health. I want to be a capable human when I'm 80. Mm. You know, like I'm not saying I'm going to be going in powerlifting comps. I probably will. Um, but, yeah, when I'm 80 I just want to be able to get around the house, move a table if I need to, you know, like just do, do things. Yeah, I don't want to be afraid of frailty when I'm 80. And the thing that I – the thing we all or have call, to have had fucking spinal surgeries or –
1: Yeah, it's yeah. just
0: – you see it. And, and if you're out there listening right now and you have had major surgeries and you feel this pain, you can't take it back but it's like, okay, now what? What am yeah. I going to do to keep myself healthy – and and the truth is, jujitsu is aging us, and and sometimes it's out of your control that it, just a shock thing can happen, and it, it it's bad for you. Yeah. So I had that realization recently, and it was like a bit of a strong thought. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I'm not training jujitsu, but I'm definitely not training as much. Me personally, I'm probably more like two a week, three a week. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at at the moment. Plus, keep trying to keep lifting consistent and be healthy because it's no good if i'm all banged up i can't be in the videos because obviously uh everyone (laughs) likes to see me in front of the camera not joe
2: but you know unless it's something to do with the hamstrings in which case like please bring joey back
0: yeah but then it's his annoying head so you gotta get (laughs) you gotta get the handsome beard on look and i'll be honest I, i think i get mistaken for joe more than joe gets mistaken for me no it's very rare that i hear anyone go oh jt to joe but the amount of times <laughs> when people go, oh, Joe, and I'm like, God damn it, I'm not Joey. Didn't Sauce at the cafe call you <laughs> Joe this morning? Yeah. <laughs> She's
2: so nice. I didn't yeah. want to be like,
0: I'm not Joey. <laughs>
2: it happens. But, uh, that's a, yeah, I think that's a very honest revelation. And I, 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 I feel things like about that myself. I'm like, I, I don't really have a desire to do jiu-jitsu forever. Mm. The way that I enjoy it at this point, it is a very uh, physical endeavor and there's risks that come along with that. And I'm not under – you know, I don't feel the need to like have well – or at this point I don't think that that needs to be a part of my life forever. Mm. The community can be a part of my life. I can engage with it in other ways. You know, we engage with it through Bulletproof and, you yeah. know, as, as, a, as a mentor of sorts or trying to guide other people to be able to enjoy it as much as they want. And I think that, you know, if, if anyone looks at it, it's like – Nothing's forever.
0: No, I think it's a myth. Because people looked at Helio, right? People were like, oh, but Helio was 70 or 80 and he was still, you know, in the belt and, yeah. you know, in the gi and all of that. And, and I'm going to say that if you look at modern jiu-jitsu, maybe not the, the older school jiu-jitsu, even though Helio used to, you know, you know, full-scale fights and lute livre and all of that, the guys are not in a good condition. You know, guys are hobbled at a young age. They're younger than us, and they're more banged up. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's a
2: price. They pay a
0: price. There's a big price. And so, look, guys, if you're out there, you know this. This, and you're listening to this. This episode isn't about uh, being negative any way. It's just being really honest. I think. I think that's really the truth of it. Is just like, it. it it's really hard for me to consolidate not being a competitor. That's one of my hardest things. Cause uh, right, man, I can't. I know that rolling to the death every single roll is not good for my body but it's just it's something It's so heavily practiced I, I feel like I can't back off. And when I don't succeed or if I don't win rolls, I fucking I do my own head in. I'm like, what's wrong with you? What's happened to you? Like the voice in
2: my head is intense. So funny whereas and- I'm like, oh, that was good next one <laughs> so I was like see you next yeah. week bye. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great submission you just got me with <laughs> no, no, not even yeah. but it's like, but
0: I just can't it's so hard for me to consolidate because I know that I'm not training full time yeah it's so difficult for me to get out of that habit of yeah. just trying to win roles you know anyway
2: well it's, it's about uh, I think it's about finding competition elsewhere and I think like if we look at a natural progression for you going through everything you have after jiu-jitsu it's lawn bowls <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh mate i tell you those ladies on the bowling green they've been hollering um, my name making a little video here so oh got, yes yes indeed but um i, I think like let's um i think it's good for us to kind of put a pin in it and because we also have someone who came in we got a question with a very good question very good question and we need to get them in and uh, chat that this is
1: from
2: your man Finian. Finian, here we go
1: uh, what's up, Joey? JT. I love the podcast. It's a fucking brilliant idea. Uh, my name's Finian. I'm a, I'm a listener from Ireland. I found your podcast about two months ago and I've been hooked ever since. It's a brilliant idea. And me personally, I've always had an interest in fitness. So I've always been a gym goer, weightlifter, and I found Jiu-Jitsu about three years ago and i kind of lost my motivation for gymming then but then i it was reignited when i decided to change my philosophies from bodybuilding powerlifting to a more um a more functional approach using range of motion open chain free weight body weight exercises rather than machine based isolation for muscle growth and de blah, blah and it's reignited but my question for you guys is regarding forearm and hand pain because I lift three times a week and I do full body each time so I was pulling and gripping heavy gripping at least once a week but there's gripping multiple days a week and I go to jiu-jitsu then about three days a week as well so my forearms flare up a lot and I often find myself having to leave a session early I just left early there because I knew they were going to flare up I mean I've worked physically a lot as well you see I chop wood and I Do a lot of physical labor. I'm a landscaper. Yeah, just anything to do with forearm, you know, kind of tendinitis, that tennis elbow where it just flares up from constant gripping. Because I understand there's high volume with the constant gripping when I'm going three times a week to jiu-jitsu. Moderate volume then uh, when I'm lifting, but then I get really high intensity as well with the weight. There's quite a lot of work. And, you know, is there anything you'd recommend to stop these forearms flaring up? Love the podcast. Love what you're doing. Uh, Keep it up. And I look forward to hearing back.
2: Finian, good man. Legend. Thank you. Forearm and elbow pain for anyone. Maybe uh, some listeners out there were like, what the fuck did he just say? (laughs) Forearm. (laughs) I love the Irish accent. It's the best. Let's look at that kind of objectively. He's training jiu-jitsu three days a week. He chops wood for a living. Wow. Grown man shit. Yeah, real. Let's just acknowledge that for a second. That's real. (laughs) Yeah. That's like he's watched uh commando <laughs> and he's like i'm gonna be that guy i'm gonna turn an into it's my Arnie. profession yeah <laughs> so he's chopping wood he's training just three times a week and he's lifting heavy he's been doing it for a long period of time yes so if i don't know how old Finn is but say you might do all these things and feel great yep but then when you've been doing these things for 10, 10 15 years oh. and there's a lot of accumulated wear and tear all of that is flexion based isn't it it's, yeah it's that inside aspect of the forearm. It's hand flexed in, like think about when you're gripping a gi, he's just doing that across all these different activities all day long, all week. Yeah. What's your thoughts?
0: No, I agree with you, Joe. And I think this is possibly where, mm. you know, if I think about the different things you've done, versus what I do, I just want to do more. You know, I want to grab rocks, I want to go rock climbing, just anything gets me closer to rock status. You know, if I could become a human doing? rock. No, not the rock. Oh, right. Uh, man, I would submit that guy in a second. his skinny little legs. I'd straight foot lock him. It'd be game over. What I'm saying is you have done handstand work, right? Mm. And so so much of handstand is extension. Yeah. Your ability to keep your arms straight, shoulders in that overhead position. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu people don't do that. No. You know, having your arms out here is death. Yeah. You're going to get harm But what I think is part of the reason why you've had your longevity with your shoulders, elbows, a variety of things has been – you've done things that create extension.
2: Yeah, counters.
0: Counters. So when I'm thinking about Finian here, I think he's going to have to back off a bit of the grip training in the lifting and do a bit more extension work. I know whenever I get that kind of tendinitis pain in my elbow, I've been doing too much pulling. Yep. I have to spend more time in extension. Yeah. Like instead of, say, doing a bottoms-up press, I'll do a palm press. Yeah, because it's opens it's, the it's fingers, open opens the it. palm. Yeah, in the, in the same way um, doing doing work uh, with tricep. One of the key things that they always did at um, Westside Barbell is heaps of tricep work to balance out the internal rotation to stop the elbows from hurting. Right. It's super important to create... Is that benching a lot? Yeah, like this. So to create space at the wrist, create space at the elbow, a lot of banded tricep work to yep. help balance out the elbow and what i'd say finian for you if your your job involves gripping you love jujitsu you want to keep it going we need to find a way to factor in some strength work that requires less gripping and i think that's totally possible like sure we love to do deadlifts and we like to do pull-ups and stuff but really you are probably doing enough of that
2: you're probably not doing enough of
0: the other work
2: yeah what would you say to that? i strongly point? agree i think um like even just working in more mobility that goes into that extension, so the palm stretches and hands on the ground, like all that wrist prep stuff that that we talk about and we put it on our Instagram a bunch, which is all stuff that I've. That's all handstand prep, right? Yes. Before handstand training, you prep your wrists religiously. So I think doing that prep work where you are getting into those positions would be the first step, and then you know taking it a step further would be okay, starting to build some strength there handstands or um anything with your hands on the floor Yeah. so crawling patterns are actually really good for that this is where like if you look at the really heavy movement stuff all the like locomotion motion. man because it's, it's all fingers hands pressed out into the ground wrist extension it's it's countering exactly you know what he's doing mm. so yeah i think that's really the go and then it's also about keeping those tissues <laughs> supple yeah, you know, treating so, them. Yeah, and so whether that's like whether you're really good at like massaging yourself, or whether you whether you want to get on a ball and like beat up the the tissues around the elbows and the forearm every couple of days, or you got to go and get a, a massage therapist to do it once every fortnight, like whatever it is, but like beating that stuff up so that the tissues are, are moving independently, they're not all just sticking together and building up this tension. But the other other thing I'd say there is like I had a job
0: as a uh, a freight unloader when I was in university. I was doing PT but I was also doing this freight handling job. And, you know, we actually started at like 4 a.m. It's freaking cold. And you just smashed with boxes. They're literally chucking boxes at you. you got to catch boxes and then put them on the thing. I developed chronically bad wrists from just impacting my wrists and just constantly gripping heavy packages. And the physio said to me, like, do you ever warm up? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm 19 years old. I don't warm up. He's like, no, like warm up your wrists. And I was like, oh, I don't do you know, Sort like, of.
2: oh, <laughs>
0: sometimes, depends, depends. I do know a risk. Depends warm-up. on what time I have, <laughs> <laughs> time available. But no, in truth, maybe something you should uh, consider, all of you out there including our good friend Finian, is before you start work, if you have a manual labor job, in the same way we really encourage people to warm up before jiu-jitsu and kind of cool down and stretch, doing some mobility before you grab that axe, before you pick up that bag of concrete or whatever you're doing, And then at the end of the workday, even though you probably just want to smash some beers or head to the pub or go to jiu-jitsu, taking an extra five, ten minutes to actually stretch your forearms at the end of the day and find out what that is, that might go a long way to reducing the sore wrists, fingers and forearms.
2: 100%. Cool. Finian, thank you for the question. JT, appreciate the chat. Thank you, Joe. Always a pleasure. Guys, thank you for listening. Hey, um, if you want to get around us and support us, there's a couple things you can do. The best thing that we would like is that you follow our program. Yes. That supports us, but it also helps support you build a strong mobile body so you can train jujitsu for as long as you want. Tap out at the time that suits you best, yeah. uh, right? Like it's, it's so that you can enjoy the journey and take it as far as you would like to. Go to bulletproofofbjj.com, use the code BJJpodcast and get 20% off. It's also a one-week free trial on all of our subscriptions. But if you're like, look, man, I got my own training shit sorted and I don't need your help but you want to support, you can check us out on Patreon. We've got a few different options there. Choose the one that's right for you. And uh, And then if you don't even want to do that and you just want to listen to the show, we fucking love that too. Yes. And we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace.